Welcome to Tech Vets, the podcast, a show dedicated to exploring the world of tech and cybersecurity through the eyes of industry leaders and X Forces personnel. In this show, we're marking Global Entrepreneurship Week, the world's largest festival of entrepreneurship, by talking to veteran-owned tech startup bosses. I'm joined by British Army veterans Jim Hook, who is the founder of Seven Technologies Group, and Oz Alashe, founder and CEO of CyberSafe. And also joining us is Heropreneurs CEO Becky Paris and TechVets CEO James Murphy. Welcome, all of you. Let's begin with, uh, with Jim. Tell me, Jim, tell me about Seven Technologies Group. What, what is it and what does it do? Um, well, it started off as Seven Technologies and then grew into being a group. And it was an idea that I'd had towards the end of my uh, service life because when I was leaving, we'd sort of gone into Iraq and Afghanistan and, and the way that we conducted ISR operations for remote monitoring of systems um, had been constrained because the data networks were so much more limited. So um, I initially decided I wanted to build some communication links that use commercial satellite to transmit um, data from sensors. And then that sort of just evolved into making sensors as well. And then uh, over the years, that just evolved as technology evolved, um, sort of culminating in data fusion from sensors. And, and it, it just grew, um, you know, year on year uh, through Procurement in the military is a requirement-led rather than um, capability-driven. And it's only some new capability that comes along that really stands out like a Klingon cloaking device or something like that, that the military can actually turn around and buy it quite quickly. Otherwise, there has to be a stated requirement, a long protracted funding line and all that sort of stuff. So there were funding lines in line for communications, but they needed some capability driven in in that area because nobody was considering this problem of operating in Iraq and Afghanistan. Timing was just was just lucky for me, really. I'm interested that you you decided to set it up directly on on leaving the the army rather than getting a job with somebody and then setting it up after that. Was that quite a bold step? Uh, so I, I don't think so. Would I have thought the same had I not been in the military for 23 years? Possibly. Um, but I, I've spoken to friends who've left the military and they're considering whether they set up their own business or go to work with someone. And the advice I give them now is, look, just go and do it for yourself. Because say you do it for a year or two years and it doesn't work out for you, you can always go and get a job. You're, you're, you're highly employable. You know, you, your fear of not getting a job is a false fear. So just get stuck in there. Go and find out what happens. You'll learn a lot along the way. And, and then if it's not for you, then go and get a job. Your, your one-year, two-year, three-year gap is not going to hold you back. James, is, is Jim's experience what you come across uh, at TechVets trying to find jobs for ex-forces personnel? We, we, cer- we certainly have the, the fear that, that Jim alludes to there of people leaving and really you know, they're trying to get everything under the sun so they can get a job rather than thinking the other way around, which is far more constructive. Uh, what do I want to do? What can I offer? Um, what do I want to deliver? You know, do I want to be part of something that's my own that I can create? You know, and I think we, we see some really common traits amongst people leaving the military that really fit well um, you know, with the sort of startup um, economy that we have within the UK. And it's pretty thriving. I mean, you look at reports over the last couple of weeks and we're, we're talking about billions worth of increased growth um, in the in the startup market there's all sorts of people can do 
But I suppose when you think of setting up your own company, and you know, I'll be happy to be corrected by, by everyone else on, on, on the call, but the stuff that you need is stuff that you've developed in your military careers, you know, that grit and resilience, the ability to um, define a plan and an aim and a mission and a goal, a vision, uh, and, but then see it through. You know, and I think, you know, even when you look at things like SpaceX, that was close to failure. It was almost the military character traits that we see regularly in people that actually got him through that. And that was, I just stuck with it. I just didn't give up. I just kept plugging away. I knew it was going to work eventually. Um, and, and I think there's so many opportunities out there. Becky, was it the, the, the uh, I suppose, the, the skills from your military experience, perhaps the confidence is a good is a good one to put to you that that saw you through the startup of Heropreneurs? Uh, so I don't have military experience, but um, I do, I have built up a great deal of, uh, of resilience, grit and determination by being married to a Royal Marine. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's certainly got me along. It really is the, the traits that are learned in the military that do give you that edge. What I would add to, to Jim's point about do it and go for it is do it and go for it but that is only going to work if you put a lot of effort in in your resettlement time and ideally about five years before you go into your year's resettlement of making a plan understanding what you want what you want to get out of it and uh, and making sure that there's a market for what you're doing and then that way whether you're going for a job or setting up your own business you are far more likely to uh, to be successful in that. There's, there's plenty of people out there and Heropreneurs is a perfect example of that. You know, all you've got to do is jump on LinkedIn or tap into your military network that you've already got. And there'll be plenty of people, you know, like Oz, like Jim, who are already out there who have done this, who have the experience and may have the even better experience of failing a couple of times first before succeeding, you know, and can help you provide the guidance and advice you need. Sometimes it's just a pat on the back and say, you know, don't be wet, just get on with it. You'll be fine. <laughs> James is absolutely right. You must use your network. That is the way that you are going to succeed. There is no such thing as um, an entrepreneur working completely alone with, well, there is. There are a lot of entrepreneurs working completely alone, but they're not nearly as successful as those who use their network. Learn lessons from that network and actually take it on the chin when someone tells you that's not a very good idea. You need to, you need to change what you're doing. This is why. And um, yeah, that, that's why the mentoring programme was started with Heropreneurs, was to provide those service leavers with a mentor who has experience in the business space to be able to have those conversations with the, uh, with the individual. Can I just add something to that? Is, um, it, what's very odd about military people when they're um, in, depending on what organisation they're in, what unit, what jobs they're doing, uh, they tend to have a very small network of people and then in certain jobs they might get exposed to bigger industry and and one of my uh, sort of later jobs was to be um the user advisor into industry to look at the systems that were coming into my unit subsequent people who've done that job have made the same mistake that i did and that they were too scared to and it was a guilt trip that they didn't really want to look as though they were networking with these industry leaders before they left. They thought there was some you know, schoolboy bad thing that you were doing by giving them your card and your contact details and getting all of them off. Them. And then when you've left, you're like, I want to call that person, but I don't have his details. And he doesn't have mine, you know. 
And so I would suggest that, you know, any networking you can do before you leave or all the way through your military career, do it. Absolutely, because your network is, is absolutely critical. So while, while you're in, work the room. Um, Oz, can I ask you, is there anything in the, in the, the foundation of CybeSafe, and having listened to the other three, that you profoundly disagree with or, or do you go along with, with everything they say? Yeah, I'm not sure it's profound disagreement, but um, but I do think that um, as much as we want, and I and I do think we do want to encourage people towards entrepreneurship, because I do agree that there are veterans and people within the veteran community that have many of the skills, many of the character traits that are required to be successful as an entrepreneur. So without a doubt, I think that we do want to encourage people who um, genuinely believe that they there's a problem they can solve, that um, to to grab it the opportunity by the horns and do it, but Entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Um, so there are um, some people I think who uh, actually may want to give it a go. And indeed, if you want to, you should, but might realize that it's not quite right for them. And then indeed that's okay. Um, I think that's very clear. The other one is, um, especially if you're talking about setting up a commercial venture, you need to be very, very clear about what you're trying to do. And uh, even if it's a lifestyle business, I, even if you're choosing to do something that you're going to grow, but you're not really that fussed about the, 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 the rate of growth or indeed the size of growth, but ultimately it does need to at least pay for you and your existence and maybe your family. Ultimately, when it comes to commercial ventures, it's about solving problems and some of the, per the people recognizing they have that problem and paying you for it. So you can do some work to prepare yourself to ensure that actually you have genuinely identified a problem that people want to solve or will pay somebody else to solve. You are the right people, or indeed you are the right person. You do have the skills, the expertise, or the technology, whatever that is. And if not, you're going to put that team together and build it. I.e., my point is choosing to be an entrepreneur and being a successful entrepreneur are not necessarily the same thing. And I think we should be preparing the veteran community to be successful at what they do. We don't just want lots of entrepreneurs, we want successful entrepreneurs, because actually we all know that being, you know, worrying about cash flow, worrying about money, worrying about all of those things that you are going to do as an entrepreneur at some point, um, uh, it needs to be worth it. So uh, that's, so it's not a, it's not found disagreement. It's just, uh, I guess, uh, a both, I, I think we should encourage the community, the veteran community, those who absolutely can solve problems, but be very clear you're solving a problem. It's, it's such an important point that you make, Oz. And in my previous role, I worked with the Royal Marines charity, uh, particularly with vulnerable leavers and um, slightly less well-informed uh, people who were supporting them with their resettlements. This is people who are being medically discharged, admin discharged, people who have uh, health conditions, uh, particularly mental health problems, were being advised to go self-employed or to um to start their own business as an easy option as an alternative to um being employed because they felt that they couldn't work in a scenario where they could take orders or um be put under pressure for targets and it, it's very important to understand that um going into business by yourself whether that is on a self-employed basis or starting a business where you seek to employ people and develop products and and as you say go into a commercial space that is not easy and it can be incredibly stressful and it's really important i think that the service leader is educated yeah, yeah that's the best point no one realizes everyone everyone well, I'm, I'm totally generalizing here but there are so many people leaving the military that through their whole military career they've been given that next posting that next role they, you have to work hard but it's not quite the same when you have to work hard for yourself specifically to drive your own career, it is infinitely harder because you have to cover every single base, um, so to speak. And I think when people leave, 
there is sometimes an expectation that it is is easy it's only easy if you plan properly and you work hard at it and you network well for the right reasons in the right way you know and you have a plan that you at least can see there are some stages that you need to get to and i think with people going into in, into business wanting to start their own business up there are far greater pressures you're not just doing a role you've got to create the foundations for a company to not just exist but grow and again when you want to solve that problem you know you've got to make sure that you are absolutely almost ruthlessly critically focused on that goal and that you don't lose sight and start jumping down rabbit holes early on um, and and start to start to um, dilute that objective yeah i think the the, the thing that is is really critical in all of that is that starting your own business it starts off quite lots of excitement and, and all of that sort of stuff then reality hits home and you very soon become not responsible for yourself you become res not just responsible for yourself you become very much responsible for all of your staff and all of a sudden you're now responsible for their mortgages their you know school fees their you know um you know daily life and and that pressure is immense and you know, when you're then juggling cash flow because of slow procurement processes and all of that sort of stuff. And if you think that's going to be easy, then you, you need to think again. But I don't want to dissuade people from doing it because like anything, uh, you put in an awful lot of effort and take a lot of risk. The rewards are so much bigger. And, and Jim, I think that that's the key point, isn't it? There is a reality to entrepreneurship. But it is incredibly exciting and it is an absolute privilege. And if there's one thing the veteran community understands, it is um, the concept of service, the concept of working with others towards a bigger, broader aim. And it's also the concept of accepting that actually easy and hard is relative. Um, it's all relative. So the fact of the matter is, and I suspect many of you running uh, organisations will, will recognise this, you know, one minute you're on top of the world and the next minute you're, you're, you're not. But that's okay. Um, and of course, when it comes to your next step outside of the military, it's absolutely okay. The thing that I think that we are all probably um, really solidifying and, and, and aligning around is, as an entrepreneur, if you're going to create a successful business, it's because you're providing a service or a product or technology solution or something that other people need. And you've worked out a way of doing it well enough for the group of people who are actually part with some cash for it or at least part for their time for it and do so in a way that you can replicate that. And if you can do those things, then actually you've got the basis to build upon. And that's extremely exciting. And the thing I really like is you don't have to do it on your own. <laughs> Jim, um, many others in my network are people that I looked to, spoke to, listened to, thought about, sent questions to just because actually they've done it beforehand. And the service community is so broad. There are so many people out there who have gone into so many different areas. Actually, depending on what you're thinking about, you can go and test some ideas. You can go and ask for a bit of time. You can go and ask people of a bit of the pitfalls and the challenges and the opportunities that they've had. Just sticking, just sticking with that, Oz, you know, around not having to do it on your own. How important, I mean, look, if, if you can sort of just give us a, a sort of overview of CybeSafe and, um, and how important it was right at the start to, to build a very tight team around that initial idea to, to get it going. Yeah, I mean, for, for us, it's incredibly important. And for those listening who, who don't know what CyberSafe is, so we're a cybersecurity software company. Um, we, uh, CyberSafe is a behavioral security platform, and um, uh, it's a software solution, a mobile application or a desktop application that organizations give access to their people to have, because everybody acknowledges that when it comes to cybersecurity, the holy triumvirate of people, process, and technology, the people bit is often overlooked. But um, actually, many of us who do think about the people bit sometimes gravitate towards thinking about 
training, if you just provide security awareness training, but actually training isn't it. So the CyberSafe software solution actually provides people nudges and alerts and prompts, as well as information that helps people know what they need to know in order to make better security decisions or exhibit better security behaviors. And then we do all of that um, and provide organizations understanding of the risk they carry. And we do that through pretty intelligent data analytics that we provide. So it's a data platform. And the reason I say all of that and explain it, other than I'm extremely proud, and of course, why would I not plug CyberSafe to this brilliant community listening? The other reason I mention it is because I needed loads of help to get it together, because the reality is I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a software engineer. And so for me, I needed to talk to the behavioral science community and the software community to understand the art of the possible. Here's my plan. I believe if we can build a software platform that does this, this will be possible. What's the minimum we can build to test it? And that's what we did. We built the minimum to test it. And we tested it and got it wrong. And we tested it and got it wrong. And we tested it and got it right. And then we got it into a bank. And then we tested and got it right to go into another bank. And so that community, that network, building that small team for me was critical. And it needed, I needed to bring together behavioral scientists, data scientists, software engineers, and I needed to sit them down and help them understand the vision and see what they came up with. Can I ask, is, is this a, a skill that's, uh, uh, on, uh, that uh, service personnel are particularly good at or something they're, they're known for being particularly good at? Is it, is it possible to generalise like that? It, it is a generalisation and it is possible to do, but I genuinely believe that it's the generalisation that is, that is accurate. I do believe that service personnel um, have throughout their careers been faced by a series of problems that require them to understand who are the people who need to come together to solve that problem. In some cases, you can do that with a small number of people or maybe even do it yourself. But in majority of the things that we, most of us as veterans have had to uh, contend with throughout our careers, we've needed to do it as groups and you've relied on different skill sets and different experiences and different perspectives to provide the optimum solution. That's my perspective, but I'd be keen to hear what, um, what others think too. I, uh, I really agree uh, with what Oz is saying. You see in the personalities of these service leavers, uh, particularly the people who are on our program, who we host networking events for, they are, they will say to you that they're the worst networkers. They will say that they hate networking, they hate going to events, and they hate talking to other people. But actually, they are fantastic at it. And they are fantastic at recommending other people because they come from a culture, um, as Oz quite rightly says, where when they need another person's expertise, when they recognise that they don't have those expertise, they go to that person and ask them for their help. And that, that translates into the civilian world. I think there's a little bit of reluctance perhaps to go beyond military connections and ex-military connections to begin with. But, um, but once they get over that fear, yes, there's, there's a great deal of passion and, uh, and and desire to be bringing people in to to advise them you know what what i said about the multi-skilled approach i think is one of the most profound points that i try to make to anyone entering into technology or cybersecurity, whether they are looking for a, the next career or starting their own business um, you know when you focus on even the, the the lowest rank the private soldier in the infantry has to understand what role specifically he plays within an operation and within that operation, that junior commander, the most junior of commanders has to understand what assets, what different skills, what multidisciplinary people have to be within his team in order to deliver that plan, deliver that, you know, complete that mission. And that's, that's why over the last sort of two, three decades within the military, we've seen an increase in people leaving the military with a more entrepreneurial mindset because they are far more used to using technologies and various capabilities you know, engineering assets, 
people that have the right minds around understanding other people's, uh, you know, wherever they may be in the world. Um, and I think that approach that we've that we've seen has really increased the amount of entrepreneurs that we have leaving the military, certainly at the moment. Thing about working the room, um, I was only talking about this with my son the other day because he 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 hates going into big crowds and whatever, and I I hate it. I hated going to um, uh, you know those organizations which had had a big dinner and you sat next to somebody you didn't know and all of that sort of stuff and, and i and I, I would still say that, that all i was ever looking for was the door to get out um at the same time i have no problem standing up in front of a room presenting or briefing something and what it comes down to is having confidence in your knowledge and expertise of what it is you're trying to sell to them and 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 what i mean by that is that you're not trying to generate from money at the start you're trying to sell your credibility once you've got your credibility across the line people will want to engage with you and then what you've got to realize is that when you are then calling somebody up who's seen you at a presentation or or, or, or been referred to you or whatever it might be people often feel a bit embarrassed they don't want to call somebody up because they might think that they're going to put that person under pressure to do something for them that they're not really comfortable with or whatever but actually if you're so proud as Oz was saying at the start that he's very pride, proud of his company you shouldn't worry about it because you're actually offering them something to help them. The fact that they're going to have to pay you for it is the quid pro quo. If you were trying to sell them something that wasn't going to help them, quite likely you should be embarrassed and not call them. But you've created your business because you think you have a problem, that you've got a solution for a problem or you can enhance their capability. And therefore, you are doing them a favour in some respects, but you're helping each other out. And, you know, I don't play golf. Um, it's not the sort of thing I do. But growing up as a kid, you always knew that lots of business was done on the golf course. And I never understood that. I now take part in other events, which Charlie's well aware of. And that is an incredibly uh, good place to throw business ideas out there. I never ask any of the people I'm at these other um, events with to invest in me or, 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 or you know, spend with me. But they're all successful businessmen. And they ask me to talk to people. I ask them to talk to people and we share our benefits, you know, and that is networking. Yeah. I think in the military, there are two terms that I, um, oh, I realized after I left that almost, almost with dirty words, one was networking for the reasons that Jim has described. There was, there was this kind of almost stigma with, uh, the other one was sales, interestingly, and I was really guilty of this. I left the military and I thought, whatever I do, I don't want to go into sales. And because I had a misunderstanding, and I believe that often people in the military have a misunderstanding about what those two things are. Um, and interestingly, especially in an organisation that is so comfortable with the concept of liaison officers or liaison personnel or links in chains and people who ultimately connect with others in order to ensure that those people get the full benefit of the value that they can bring you know what can i help tell you about my organization my unit my nation all of that stuff is really common but yet for some reason um when we consider it as networking we think of it as a dirty word the other one sales thinking of sales as selling things rather than what jim has just described which is exactly what sales is which is i can help you solve a problem i understand that problem so well that I'm going to help your life get better after the engagement that we've had. You don't need to buy anything from me. You will only buy if what I'm offering you is worth it. But the reality is it's not about buying. Can I help you? If I can't, I'll wish you a good day. And if I can, let's at least um, make sure that you've got what you need. And I think just this flipping it and helping military people get confident about their ability to understand problems and solve them and understand people and connect with them. Those two things go a long way when it comes to entrepreneurship. 
Well, that seems to be a question to end on, which is which is confidence, because you know we, we we've covered we've covered the part about ability. Do you have the ability to do this? We've covered the part about method, but I mean Becky seems to be picking up this idea that service personnel, as they leave the military, as they go into jobs or they become entrepreneurs, don't necessarily have the kind of confidence to push their careers forward. Is is, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And um, Oz is absolutely right in that sales is such a dirty word um, <laughs> in, in all of this. Um, and it, it, it shouldn't be. I mean, the, unfortunately, the exposure that we have to, you know, good hard sales. I, I worked in a car insurance call centre. I did my time. Um, but uh, we have uh, we, we run a business startup workshop. And there's a wonderful example that um, our our um, trainer gives in that where he says to the room who here considers himself a salesman and you will get maybe one in 30 hands up and he says okay who here has walked up to a woman or a guy at a bar in a nightclub with an intention hands up hands up hands up hands up you're a salesman (laughs) And uh, it's it, it's a really interesting flip on the um, on the on the stereotype of a salesperson. And, and you're absolutely right. Uh, the the people that that we support, they have these wonderful services. And I know it's not necessarily tech based, but we uh, went to a, an event recently with one of our mentees who makes beautiful garden furniture. It is it the stuff sells itself. It's lovely. But he, he said, I hate this. I can't sell. I can't sell. I just can't do it. And watching him speaking to people, speaking about his passion for what he's making, he understands his craft. He understands the process that it's been through. He understands all of it. Um, he was selling and he was selling really well. And he was selling in the best way because he wasn't saying it's £2,000. Give me your money, please. It's going to make your garden beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. He was uh, he was talking about the process with passion to people who needed a product. So how did you improve his confidence? I told him. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. It it, it is. And it's just about flipping that stereotype on its head and saying you don't have to be like that guy that sold you your car who is on, you know, a target of 20 sales a day. And I don't want to take away from those people also they've got a job to do and targets to meet but it it is about understanding that selling isn't always the hard sell and as Jim said um in networking networking isn't about walking in and walking out with 20 leads from a meeting it's about building relationships so that when that person or those 20 people that you've spoken to speak to somebody else in their network and it turns out they need what you've got to offer that person will recommend you because a personal recommendation is absolutely golden. There's, I think the, these two points, I'm so glad these two points have been raised because they've cropped up in nearly every conversation I've had with a service leader or veteran in the last three months. I don't really like sales. Well, tough luck because sales is the most important thing. If you don't sell anything, no one gets any money um, and then no one can pay their bills. It's, it's very important that you become accustomed to the real importance of sales and what it's about rather than just that dirty sort of perception of it. The second is networking. For some reason, every single veteran and service leaver thinks that networking is about getting a job. Um, if you're talking to someone, they haven't got a job for you, you already know about it. Networking is about 
bringing capability to people and people to people, uh, you know, to build your knowledge, to, to learn more about yourself, more about industries, what sort of product you want to be involved in, company size, structure, culture, you know, industry, sector, whatever it may be, you, you, you grow a knowledge of the environment in which you're, you're going to be working in and whether that's an entrepreneur or, or otherwise. Um, and I think people need to have a far more open mind to sales and a far more open mind to networking to really get the benefits from both. Jim, uh, just on confidence, how do you how do you instill that in your in your sales force? How do you how do you how do you get them confident? Well, that's a difficult question. I, I think I, I generally I always employed people who were confident. <laughs> so uh, I employed ex-service leaders uh, leaders. So um, uh, pretty much exclusively, all of the salespeople I I recruited would have been former colleagues. Um, they were confident that the, the, the however they still had that problem of sales and um, you see people who um, who look at a product to go well it'd be easier to sell if we get it to do this that and the other rather than understanding it is where it is already and this is what you've got to sell in order to get money so we can evolve it and develop it further right you know there's just not an endless bit of money to keep developing things and the other thing is uh, I always say to people it's very easy to phone up somebody else in another business and arrange a meeting and you think you've achieved something because you've gone and you know, visited this company and you've had a meeting and it looks like you've been positive for the day. Business to business meetings can be generated at the drop of a hat. Any business sees another business phone, it sees it as an opportunity to sell that business something. So they're always going to get in touch. And I think there's an old adage, I can't remember the phrase exactly, but you haven't sold anything until you've sold to somebody that isn't your friend or family. And, and therefore, you, what you should always be doing is working out how to get yourself um, to meet up with people who are going to buy your product. Um, we did actually run some courses and we paid significant amounts of money for people to come in and teach people how to do sales. Um, none of them worked, really, uh, I've got to be fair. And it, because selling is all about relationship building and th therefore you have to go and engage with your, your customer and um, by engaging with them, building a relationship that will lend itself to sales because they'll trust you. Now, it was quite easy for, for my business to do that because my business was focused back into the military intelligence agencies, law enforcement. So there was already a bond between my guys and the guys they were talking to. It would have probably been much, much more complicated and would be much more difficult for civilian staff to generate those relationships. And it was one of the things that for Seven stepped us apart from all of the other companies. We had a far better relationship with our customers because we were fellow users. You know, as one of them once said, when uh, defending some money being spent with us by their procurement agency, you know, look, Jim's, you know, um, crawled along the same dust and suffered the same heat and all the rest of it as we have. So why would he take the money and not put the stuff on the shelf? Oz, uh, CybeSafe has, has crawled along a certain amount of dust to get to where it is today. I mean, could you, could you pull out the, the elements of what we've been talking about for the last half an hour and, and explain entrepreneurialism? As, as, a, as a sort of single entity. I do think it's interesting because it's one of those things I'd never really considered before I left. In fact, I described myself as an accidental entrepreneur. I, I, if, I, if, if I had realised that um, solving a problem that I didn't think that anybody was solving very well and doing it for a bunch of companies um, because I knew that that was the best way to impact society and I wanted to do something that impacted society in a way that meant that I made life better for as many people as possible. If I'd, somebody said to me, well, in which case you're going to need to become an entrepreneur, I would not have put the two things together. Um, but the reality is, I think, actually, I 
as I've said, I've chosen to do something that's going to impact society, even if you're choosing to do something that's just going to impact the people who live on your street. Ultimately, if you choose to become an entrepreneur, what you are doing is effectively choosing to take risk. You're choosing to take the risk that says, I'm going to back myself and indeed anybody I can bring together as a team to solve a problem for people who otherwise wouldn't be able to solve it as well. And they're going to reward us for doing so either commercially or in some other way. The interesting bit about entrepreneurism and I take from this is it does require confidence. And it does require us to understand that we don't need to do it by ourselves. And as a service leader, you don't need to do any of this by yourself. And so I think that idea of taking the confidence um, to engage with people, some people will describe it as a network, don't overcomplicate it in your head. Think of it as communicating with people, learning from other people and allowing them to learn from you. That's it. Learning from other people and allowing them to learn from you and do that with as many people as you can. That's what some people describe as networking. That's what we need to do. And then the confidence bit, I think, is interesting or as it relates to sales. You don't have to be the best salesperson in the world, but you do need to recognize that sales is not a dirty word and that somebody needs to help other people understand that what you do can solve the problem. And ideally, if you're the first person and it's your business, you need to do it successfully the first few times. Because actually, if you can do it even just a few times, you'll be able to recognize other people who can do it much better. And at CybeSafe, I've got far better salespeople than I am. But the reality is I had to do the first few sales. And that was absolutely appropriate. I hate okay. the word entrepreneurialism or entrepreneur. I, I just don't know where that word came from. And as I was growing up, it was coming out. It was a dirty word in itself. And, you know, I think they need to come up with a new word. Because it's as Oz is talking about, you're trying to make other people's lives better. You're trying to make something positive. Seven was all about trying to deliver capability because it wasn't there. And we needed to make the operator on the ground have, you know, the best that he could have. And, um, and the word entrepreneur stems to me just somebody who wants to make money. And it's not about money. It's about delivering a real capability to people. The money comes as a result. Can I pick up um, Oz's line, you can't do this by yourself, because that seems like a perfect opportunity for James to mention TechVets. And, you know, that is the one thing that TechVets does, is prevent you from having to do this by yourself if you're thinking of leaving the services. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the military community is a very powerful, powerful tool for people to leverage. Um, and that sounds very cold and calculating, but actually there are thousands and thousands of people out there that would more than happily take some time out to support someone else who served. Um, but it's more than that. The benefit of the TechVets community is we have deep links into industry. And that's through some of our some of our veterans, you know, like, like Oz, Jim, many others who are already out in industry doing stuff, whether they're in companies or running companies or owning companies. Um, what it means is you've got the right people with the trustworthy advice and guidance and that you know there's no, you know, there, there's nothing in it for them. It's networking um, and it's providing those links to people or to capability, to organizations and providing them the knowledge they need to at least get the, the process started. And Becky, talking about you don't have to do this alone. I mean, that's, that is the, that's one of the things you do, is that you, you support people. They don't have to do it alone. Ab absolutely. So we are very proud to support service leavers and veterans and um, other members of the military family. So spouses, partners, children of who are looking to start their own business or to develop a business that they've already started and don't quite know where to take it and I think um, just building on James's point there it's really important that you um, find support from people who don't necessarily have a financial interest in your company also 
because those people, as soon as they invest, as soon as they have some kind of return for themselves, their support is no longer impartial. Um, that's something really important to heropreneurs. So all of our mentors who are volunteers, um, and you're quite right, um, people are bending over backwards to support our military community. It's really lovely to see in, in giving their time. But they will agree at, at the very beginning with heropreneurs not to take any financial interest in their mentees' business. And that's so important to us because it means that they can be truly objective and supportive. And um, I love the saying, it's not a sale until you've sold, some, sold to someone who isn't your friend or family. Because again, having, having that outside pair of eyes and our, um, our mentor community is about 50% service leavers, but we do also have people who don't have a service history. And again, that's really important because it's outside eyes again. And uh, as much as it's lovely for your mum to tell you that it's brilliant what you're doing and I love it and congratulations and pat you on the back. Um, it really is a hundred times more valuable when that comes from somebody who uh, who doesn't mind about hurting your feelings. <laughs> I mean, I, clearly, clearly we've emphasised that it's going to be hard work. Nothing's ever going to be easy that's worth doing. But we've got Oz and, and Jim on who have made a success, you know, with their entrepreneurial endeavours. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've just supported, TechFest have just supported Heropreneurs, their, their Technology Business of the Year Award. And my gosh, were there some phenomenal nominations there with companies that have some fantastic vision, missions. You know, they're, they're really doing some cutting edge stuff using technology. Um, so clearly, there are more than, than enough people out there who can provide advice and guidance. People can go to Heropreneurs, they can use the TechBets community, they can get in touch with people like Michael and Jim and whatnot, who are already out there doing it to, to build their networks and, and gain those sort of first rung on the ladders, so to speak. Thanks, thank you, Jim, Oz, Becky, and James for joining us. For our listeners, you can find out more about TechFets and how to become a member by visiting techvets.co or searching for TechFets on LinkedIn. If you're a business owner or work for a company in the tech industry and want to find out how to get more veterans into your team, drop James Murphy a message via LinkedIn. You'll find all the contacts you need in the description for this post. We'll be back next month with another TechFets podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining.